Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Brain Mosh Podcast. My name is Dryden. My name is Brett. And uh, today, it's our first episode, so we're just going to be introducing ourselves, introducing the podcast, kind of uh, going over some of our general topics here. Brett, you have anything you want to say to our fans? Uh, no, just thank you for tuning in. Yeah, thanks for tuning in. This is our first episode ever, so we appreciate you uh, taking the time to check us out. Uh, what are we going to be talking about today, Brett? Uh, today I figured we'd open up with some music that we've been listening to and just Fair kind enough. of go from there. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. So I think, uh, I think our vision for this podcast is that we're going to talk about music, specifically metal and hardcore, and then we're also going to talk about some uh, philosophical, intellectual, scientific, theological, whatever sort of issues, and uh, we're going to have a lot of fun doing both, and hopefully you have fun listening. So, Bretto, what have you been listening to? Lately, I've been listening to, so actually this band followed me on Instagram. They're from Italy, um, called Will Be Andrew. Uh, they just dropped a new single called um, Bad Night Habits, and it actually slaps. I'm kind of really surprised, because a lot of metal bands and hardcore bands that will follow me on Twitter or Instagram, they aren't always the greatest, but this band is surprisingly really good okay sorry what's the band called i'm looking them up right now will be andrew if anything check out their instagram because i googled them and i had a hard time finding them yeah i've noticed that a lot of like like whenever i follow a band on twitter then i get like three bands following me on twitter and it's it's always just like you know random little random little like side projects that you know um Okay. I'm not having any luck finding them, but I will look them up later. Yeah, no, absolutely. What, what about you? What have you been jamming to? Okay. Um, honestly, I have two things. First one is the new Silent Planet album, which I'm sure we're going to talk about extensively, but I kind, of got, I kind of got back into it like again this week because now that I'm done all my finals and everything, I thought, okay, I want to yeah. sit back down with this and give it the time that it deserves. And I found my understanding of it to be incredibly enriched. Um, the second thing that I've done this week, and you won't be too pleased with this, but I've gone back <laughs> and I've gotten, I've also gotten really into, uh, that Make Them Suffer album, like, for the second oh, time. Yeah. Uh, shoot, what's it called? Worlds Apart. I'm gonna have um, to, uh, try drown that one again, because it's been a while. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what it is. I didn't love their first album, and I don't love their, the new singles that they've been releasing, that they've been releasing. But yeah. something about Worlds Apart, there's just such, like, I don't know, there's just something about it. There's such a magical element to that album that I just can't get enough of. And I oh, yeah. I could listen to it over and over again. Um, And also, uh, a couple of them follow me on Twitter as well. So, you know. So you got you got to support them. I got to support them. Also, Garrett Russell followed me on Twitter. Can we talk about that? <laughs> yeah, we can. Okay, <laughs> so... Garrett Russell, for anyone listening who doesn't know, and you should know, uh, Garrett Russell is the vocalist of Silent Planet, which is like our favorite band, uh, Christian metalcore band. Well, I won't label them as a Christian band. I don't think they would like that. But Yeah, because that's a topic we can get into. One we day. can get into that later. Uh, they are Christian guys in a band, I'll put it that way, who uh, they play. They're definitely the, I, like I'd say they're easily the best metalcore band that we currently have going for us. Um and Garrett Russell is their front man, and he's an insane dude. He's got a master's degree in, like, some sort of psychology or something. 
and he's an insane uh, clinical dude. psychology, I Cl- believe. Clinical psychology, yeah, he's super yeah. smart. His lyrics are insane. I love him. And anyway, after after years of just like briefly interacting with him on Twitter, like sometimes he'd like one of my tweets and I'd freak out. Uh, yeah, finally he followed me, and I was absolutely stoked. I was I was screaming. I was jumping around. It was awesome. <laughs> and the uh, and that allowed me to send him messages. And so I've now we've now invited him to have dinner with us in in February. So when we I, go down to Seattle, when we go down to Seattle to see him, um, yeah. So yeah, that'll be cool. Maybe we could talk about that in a future episode. The things that we learned from our dinner with Silent Planet. That'll be really fun. Maybe we can even get a small sound clip or something. Oh my gosh, Garrett. I would die. I would freak out. Yeah, it would be unreal. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So, Bretto, since this is sort of an introductory episode, what, uh, did you just talk a little bit about your musical interests as a whole? Uh, like what got you into heavy music? What other types of music you're into besides, you know, metal and metalcore, that sort of thing? Oh man. So what got me into the hardcore metal scene for me was it started when I was real young. So even when I was like maybe five or six, I was jamming to Rob Zombie that was probably my introductory to like a little bit heavier music. And then as I got older, I started to listen to more like, um, Alexis on fire, got into, um, the city boiled frogs, um, all that kind of stuff. And it kind of diversified from there where like my oldest sister was a huge influence on my music taste, especially when it came to like the heavy scene. And then as I got older and I kind of diversified and figured out what I liked, I started going to Devil Wars Prada, Miss May I, um, discovered Memphis Mayfire, um, bands like that, and it just kind of all proliferated and spiraled out of control from there as my love for metal developed. Um, other music genres that I really dig and jam, um, I like a lot of lo-fi, just because okay. as a student studying, it's fantastic. Metal's also good because it keeps the energy up, but my music taste even ranges all over the map where can go from like Disney classics to be belting out a whole new world to even classical, um, Tchaikovsky, um, a little bit of pop and rap here and there. Can always get into that. Can listen to some Drake or, um, uh, Chance the Rapper, Kendrick, uh, Cardi B, you know, all the, all the good ones. Oh yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's, my music taste. How about you? How cool. we never really cool, cool, cool. got into it. How did you get into the metal oh, hardcore scene? It is a long and arduous story. Um, it started out. Actually, I'll I'll never forget this. Um, so when I was in like grade ten, I had an incredibly vanilla white people music taste. My favorite bands were like Coldplay and like The Killers, and I still do love The Killers like a lot. But um, anyway, no, my music taste was super vanilla. And I was browsing a Reddit thread, and on this thread, people were talking about, like, just the weird genres of music that they were into, and you were supposed to post uh, a link to a song that could potentially get other people into that genre as well. So this one guy posted that he was really into uh, European folk metal, and he posted a link to this song, and... I remember, and I remember in grade 10 reading this and thinking, wow, that sounds really stupid, but sure, I'll listen to it just to make fun of it, right? And so I clicked on the link, and the song will, 
forever be ingrained in my mind as the first, like, heavy song that I enjoyed. And uh, it's called Enos Mona, and it's by a band whose name I can't pronounce. I think it's Elvati or Eluvati or something like that. It's E-L-U-V-E-I-T-I-E. And they are, uh, like, a melodic death slash folk metal group from Switzerland. And, uh... Yeah, they, they slap is all I can say. I still listen to them a lot. I still love them. Um, but yeah, they had this song, Enos Mona, and I listened to it. And it was like classic, like mellow death with some like folk influences. Uh, it was super catchy. And, you know, I went into it just thinking, oh, I'll just listen to it just to make fun of it. Right. But then I yeah. actually like, I ended up listening to it like twice and then three times and four times. And uh, I remember exactly where I was sitting. Like I was sitting in my bed on my laptop while it happened and uh, that that is the moment that I can pinpoint as the moment that I actually decided, okay, now I'm into heavy music, despite despite years of thinking that it was stupid. So yeah. since then, it has been it has been a weird and uh, it's been a it's it's been a weird road. Um, so I had a couple other friends at school that were also into folk metal, which is weird because it's it's a very niche genre. But uh, I was I jammed really hard to folk metal throughout like all of like grade 11 and uh, so folk metal is usually usually it's like melodic death metal with some like folk instruments used and like folk yeah. themes and the lyrics and stuff so it, was, it gives a throwback to like middle earth almost. exactly it's like middle earth metal so listening to that then got me eventually into just like normal like melodic death metal then so i was really into death metal basically by the end of high school and uh what happened then is my sister started dating this guy who she is now married to and he was really involved in the local hardcore scene. And so I, so we start, we would always talk about music. Right. And I told him, I was like, yeah, like, you know, I'm not, I'm, I've never gotten into hardcore. Like I'm really into metal. And he was like, Oh, well, like if you want to get into hardcore, like I can recommend some bands to listen to and you can come to shows with me and crap like that. So, um, I still remember the bands that he recommended, uh, the first band was a band from Vancouver, which I still love. Uh, they're called Go It Alone. They're like classic okay. Vancouver hardcore punk. They're amazing. I'm going to have um, to check them out. Go It Alone. They're sick. Um, and then the other band was a band called Have Heart, which is classic Boston straight edge. Um, their front man is a guy named Pat Flynn, who's really cool. He has a bunch of side projects, which are also dope. Um so yeah, those were the first two like hardcore bands that I kind of gave a chance. And, uh, that was in, that was like towards the end of grade 12 when I was like just starting university. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So I've been really into hardcore and metal, uh, all throughout university. Um, being into hard through a weird twist of events, uh, being into hardcore also kind of got me a bit into hip hop. Um, just like because a lot of like classic like hardcore groups from the 80s and 90s there's a very obvious like hip-hop element um and there's a lot of interesting history there like there's this uh there's this new documentary series on netflix i forget what it's called it's called like hip-hop evolution or something like that and it's like it's like a series that just documents like the history of hip-hop and they talk about how uh how important the relationship between punk and hip-hop was like throughout the 80s because uh because, like, punk and hip-hop were both sort of the alternative music scenes, right? Like, the yeah, ma- they the were ma- very underground and yeah. not, like, popular. Yeah, exactly. 
so listening to hardcore actually sort of got me into like classic hip hop and, uh, which of course then led into me listening to like modern hip hop. Um, so now my music taste ranges from, uh, like melodic death metal to classic hip hop, which is, which is great. I, I love, I, I love that zone. Um, beyond that, uh, like I said earlier, like I said earlier, I still love the killers. I love a lot of like kind of more basic, like alternative rock. Um, yeah. I love a lot of classical. Um, I listen a lot to, I don't know if you know who Max Richter is. He's like, no, a, I don't. I think he's German, but he's like a neoclassical composer. Um, okay. and I love his stuff. It's like so peaceful and so quiet. It's so nice. Um, yeah, so that's my story. And so of course, uh, I should add being into death metal and then getting into hardcore. The natural result of that was that I also got into metalcore. Um, and honestly, I'm still not like super, super into metalcore. Like there's like five metalcore bands that I love. Um, and I, like, I do respect metalcore as a genre, but like my main interests are in metal and hardcore. Like, like there are, like I said, there are a few metalcore bands that I love, but metalcore isn't my favorite genre as a whole. I'll put it that way. Okay. Can, can we break that down a little bit? Cause we like, can. What is metalcore? Because I know there are oh, so many genres of metal. Because there's metal, death metal, black metal, speed metal, thrash <laughs> metal, new yeah. metal. Like for a lot of people who may not even know, what is metalcore? Because even for me, I'm at to I'm at a point where metal's metal. I'm not gonna like yeah. break into these subgenres because I think it's stupid. It's it's metal at the end of the day. We'll see, and it's interesting that you're saying that because based on my experience with like the actual like heavy metal community. Like a lot of metalheads that I've encountered really hate metalcore, and they and they hate that metalcore has been identified as being metal. Um, because see, so for anyone listening who doesn't know, metalcore is a fusion genre that blends elements of metal and hardcore. And uh, I guess I should back up hardcore. When we say hardcore, what we're referring to is hardcore punk. Um, of course, there's other. I think there's genres of like EDM that are referred to as hardcore, but and then you can even toss in like post hardcore. That's probably a little more oh, well yeah. known because that's something like uh, Alexis on Fire or Linkin yeah, Park, a yeah. little more popular. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Post hardcore, melodic hardcore, uh, yeah, both a little, a little more mainstream or have a little more mainstream success, I think. Um, but yeah, metalcore is metalcore is difficult to. Uh, exactly define. It's a fusion genre of metal and hardcore. Um, see, the thing... The thing that will really identify metalcore as opposed to, like, more traditional metal is the use of breakdowns. Um, of course, there's other elements as well, but, like, breakdowns are very much so um, an element of hardcore. And if I'm not mistaken, um, and I could totally be wrong about this, but I think the breakdown was originally sort of a result of like hip hop influence on hardcore because of course the hip hop scene was, um, they were working, they were working with break dancing and having breaks in the music, right? Where people would dance and in, at hardcore shows, it works the same. Like during the breakdown in the song, that's when everyone moshes, right? So I think breakdowns are sort of a result of the hip hop influence on hardcore and as a result, metalcore uses breakdowns as an element from hardcore, but I don't think breakdowns will ever really be found 
uh, used to any real extent in more traditional genres of metal. Um, no. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know what defining characteristics other than that there would be in metalcore, though. And that's where I come to metal's metal, and like, <laughs> I'm yeah. the, like I like a lot of different kinds of metal. I get into some death metal every once in a while. Not like my go-to or my favorite. I stick to just like some classy metal to metalcore, and because that's that's what I find is the best to jam to. One thing that I was going to say, I know you don't like this artist, um, but you can even hear from, like, the underground um, influence, even, like, his influence from, from like, Papa Roach and stuff. Okay. Um, Tacion, like, hearing, oh. like, yeah, his yeah. blend from being hip-hop, and then he kind of throws in that grunge, the, a little bit of metal, almost yeah. from, because he, he screams that a little bit. Yeah. See, that, that represents a genre of hip-hop that I respect from a distance. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if, if I'm going to listen to rap, I need to be able to appreciate the lyrics and understand the lyrics. And mumble rappers don't exactly do that for me. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I've heard that. I've also heard that about um, Post Malone. Not that he like screams or anything, but I've heard that Post Malone is actually like really into heavy music as well. Um, which would explain a little bit of his appearance, I think. But uh, yeah, I've seen which, like, no, go ahead. I was, no, I was going to say, isn't Post Malone, um, buds with like Brian Garris and like the dudes from Knock Loose? Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe that's what I've heard. I, I know I've heard something about a connection between a little peep or not a little peep, uh, Post Malone and Post Malone and Knock Loose. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I do where I have a hard time getting to rap, like mentioning lyrics, find the lyrics aren't always the greatest. I know they don't, they don't hit me. I shouldn't say too much because sometimes listen to metal and like metalcore lyrics are kind of like, what was me? And they're super emo and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. But I find the lyrics can be so much more rich and in depth as we can dive into silent planet and scholastic core as some people call it. Yeah. (laughs) Um, the one yeah. thing I want to touch on from your story, sorry to change no, gears here real quick. I found when I was growing up, I always listened to metal and like, I always kept like my taste in music close to my heart. Cause like no one understood, no one listened to metal. I grew up in like Hicktown, Lamont. And so everyone was all into country music and didn't get it. Yeah. And so even when I started going to, um, uh, school in the city people didn't listen to metal or hardcore it was all like hip-hop and stuff so it was one of the things that like could never share and I always kept it close to my heart where I found like you're lucky I didn't get to express my love of metal or anything until like I met you and Zach shout out to Zach Walters if you're listening um where it's kind of one of the things that it's so niche that it's hard to find people who really dig it especially like when you do try to share, you kind of get shut down at all, so yeah. you don't want to. Yeah. Um, that, that was one thing that I want to touch on, because like you, it, it's sometimes difficult to find people who share a love for the scene, whether hardcore or metal. Absolutely. And that was something, um, like, I, like I've always found, uh, like when you find someone who listens to the same music as you, there you're like instantly set up for a friendship like regardless oh, yeah. of whether you have anything else in common like when i when i first met owen 
Um, you know, he was just some like random business major who was like a couple years behind me in school or whatever. But then he said, but then we found out that we were both in really into metalcore and just, you know, instant, instant friendship, just like that. Right. Yeah. And, um, it's interesting that you touched on like the woe is me emo lyrics of like metalcore. Cause I think like, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's one reason why a lot of like pure metal heads would like criticize metalcore and say that it's not metal is because like when you listen to like traditional, um, like death metal, like if you take a band like cannibal corpse, obviously that's an extreme example. Yeah. But if you, t- if you take a band like that, like they're never going to have a lyric that's like just feeling sorry for themselves. Right. Their lyrics are going to be about, you know, brutally murdering people. Um, so like, I've heard that complaint from a lot of like purist metalheads that like the lyrics of metalcore where like, you're just feeling sorry for yourself or like, you know, your girlfriend broke up with you and you're really sad about it. Like I've heard that that's, uh, that that's like a real like breaking point between like the, the, the worlds of metalcore and the worlds of metal. And I feel like that's the huge divide between, like, the metalcore fan base and the fan base of, like, the rest of metal as a whole. Is I feel like a lot of, like, the metalcore fan base, myself included, I feel like we're a lot of, like, ex-emo kids who have never really left it all behind, right? Yeah. Like, we're still still looking for that, like, emotional catharsis through music. Even then, like, in all metal, it is just a huge emotional release because even like you introduced me to serration and like they go hard you listen to deadweight that song is just emotional release yeah and i I wouldn't classify that as metalcore but that song is just emotional release yeah just cutting off deadweight and it's talking about death and like seeing someone hung and shit like that and it's one of those songs where it's just no it makes you feel good and you feel better after whether you mosh and throw some fists or you're screaming in your car or something yeah and like i find all metal whether metalcore and it's kind of emo or um just like just heavier metal all it is is emotional release it's just that pent-up energy pent-up emotion anger whatever it could be and it's that release even like i find one of my favorite things, if I had a long day or a stressful day, get into my car, turn on some, like, knock loose and scream oh, yeah. my lungs out till I'm blue, yeah. in my, blue in the face and, like, my voice is hoarse. It just, after that, it just, you feel better and you feel yeah. so good. So that's, I don't get, like, how people get so, like, strung up and, like, it's too emo, blah, 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 and they draw those dividing lines when it is just the most emotional release at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think you hit the nail on the head, and uh, I think, like, that's why, like, whenever, like, whenever I've tried to, like, play my music for, like, people who aren't really into it, quite often they say, like, oh, like, how do you listen to this? Like, this is so angry. Like, doesn't this make you feel angry? And I always say, no, it does the exact opposite. Like, like this gives me the outlet when I am feeling angry, right? Like, yeah. this is this is the catharsis that I need when I am feeling stressed out or angry about something. Um, and that's also how I explain, like, how I can listen to screamed vocals is like, like, like to me, listening to a screamed vocal is so much more powerful than a clean vocal. Because to me, when I hear someone screaming, it just sounds like there's just so much emotion that like singing normally doesn't do it justice, right? You have to scream. 
I agree. Like, um, Barracuth's album, Sick and Disgusting, yeah. um, the last song on there, like, hearing Caleb Shomo scream some of those lyrics of, God, I don't know if I'm ever ready to die, and yeah. stuff like that, and just even, like, hearing his voice break and just hit that's his emotional release it's like yeah no that that hits me harder than if someone was singing just because, Yo, absolutely. Like, i feel the pain you're going through yeah and uh i think that's like um i'm gonna get really chintzy here and i'm gonna quote c.s lewis but c.s lewis says we read stories to know that we're not alone and i feel like a lot of times music is the same way like when you hear someone screaming about their problems and you relate to it then you know you know, you know, you're not alone and there's a sense of community in it. And there's a sense of like, okay, this is like a collective human experience. Um, like we're all going through this together. We're all, you know, we're all suffering in our, in our human ways. Um, and I feel like there's just like a sense of community and a sense of relatability about it. And I've also, I I feel the same way about moshing is like, you know, like when I'm and the fact that I'm even into moshing now, well, and I, I shouldn't say I'm into moshing because I don't go that hard, but, uh, like the fact that I'll go into a mosh pit now is really, really weird because for the last 20 years of my life, I've been incredibly wimpy and like, I was scared to even like play football as a kid cause I didn't want to get hit. Right. Yeah. That's me now. I have a yeah. hard time still going to mosh pits, but you still got to do it. Yeah. And, uh, like, that's how I feel, like, in a mosh pit. Like, if I get hit or if I accidentally hit someone, like, it, it's all good because we're not angry at each other. We're just yeah. collectively angry at life, right? <laughs> yeah. We're just, we're just, coll- we're just being angry together. And sometimes that results in accidentally getting hit. But, like, it's all good because, you know, there's no ill intent behind it, right? And that's my, that's one of the favorite, my favorite things about, like, the metal community is like everyone I find is in some form or another, like an outcast to some yeah. degree. Like they don't fit in the same way with everyone else in society. And it's one of the places where you can find acceptance and you can bond over this and you can release any of that emotion that you feel towards other people, yourself, whatever it may be. Um, and like watching, like depending on the show, if I'm just watching a mosh pit, Whenever I see, like, someone get knocked down instantly, like, they're pulled and tossed back up, check oh, yeah. that they're okay, and then everyone yeah. starts again. And yeah. it's one of the things was like, oh, no, people genuinely, like, give a crap about each other. Yeah. And it's nice to see even, like, it was, um, I was at the Serration show here in Edmonton, and during, I forget who set, some girl just got, like, knocked straight into the dude's plane. And immediately, two dudes jumped in, tossed her back up, yeah. and then they started moshing again. Yeah. Where then I hear um, a guy I work with at, oh, I forget who it is, but there's some rapper. There's one, there's a couple songs, I guess, like a pit opens up, and people just, like, have no regard for anyone else or, like, their surroundings or anything. It's like, that's a horrible community. At least, like, the yeah. metal community, I find people care about each other to some degree. Yeah. But I think that's through that shared experience of being outcast or being angry at uh, the world, people, society, themselves, whatever it may be. And uh, there's, um, yeah, like, I remember 
you remember when we went to see Ar- when we went to see Architects together, and oh, I tried absolutely. to crowd surf, and uh, I f- and the crowd dropped me, and I fell. Um, one of the scariest moments of my life. But it was hilarious because, like, everyone around me stopped what they were doing and they all just, like, watched me. And, like, no one really knew what to do. And then a couple guys yeah. ran over to help me out. But, like, I, I was already kind of, like, climbing back up to my feet. But, yeah, it was just such, like, a, <laughs> it's such a collective experience of, like, um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just a weird feeling when, like, you you feel like you matter that much that, like, when you fall, like, everyone just stops, right? Yeah, And, um, I will also say, cause you were talking about like fe- feeling like an outcast and everything. Um, when I, uh, first got into my Enneagram type, which of course will go into greater depth in later episodes, I'm sure. Um, so my Enneagram type is a four and I was listening to Richard Rohr talking about the Enneagram types and he was talking about the four and he said, uh, the, that the, the four loves to be an outcast. And he said, if you don't cast the four out, the four will cast themselves out because they just want to feel like an outcast, right? Yeah. And it immediately made sense to me why I've always been attracted to, like, the underground music scenes, right? Because I, like, I've always wanted to feel like an outcast. It's just, it's the emo kid inside me, right? Like, But I, I think that's even how you are because, like, you're, you're straight edge. Like, I'm not I'm straight, straight edge. edge. I'm, right. I'm not... I would say I'm like a pseudo straight edge. Like if I'm going to take words of Brian Garris from knock loose, I'm not straight edge, but I'd rather be sober kind of thing. Right. But you're, you're, you're someone who's straight edge where yeah. you, you set yourself apart that way too. Cause like now you don't fit in with everyone else. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's like an intentional, like it, it's almost like saying like, I never felt like I did fit in. So now screw you guys. I don't want to fit in. Right. Yeah. Like, no, totally. Yeah. No, that, that's interesting. Um, and see, like, I've always explained straight edge as being, and this sounds super chintzy, and if anyone's listening who hates straight edge, they're just going to hate it even more after hearing what I have to say, <laughs> I'm sure. But um, I, I always explain straight edge as it's like, it's almost learning to rebel even better than most people who rebel, if that makes sense. Like, it's... Because, like, society wants you to think that, like, like when you're, when you're a teenager, when you're, like, 15, 16, society wants you to think that rebelling is going to a party and getting drunk with your friends, right? But the yeah. straight-edge mentality is, like, how is that rebelling? Literally everyone does that. Like, you're not changing anything. You're not breaking any rules by doing that. Sure, you might be disappointing your parents, but literally everyone does that, right? Like, you're not actually <laughs> changing anything. So the straight edge mentality is like, why don't we actually, why don't we actually rebel? Why don't we not rebel the way that society wants us to rebel, but actually, you know, say screw it to all of society's rules, including society's rules of how to break the rules, right? I'm, I feel like I'm doing no, a bad totally. job of explaining it, but that's, that's how I've always looked at it. No, that's how but I've explained I, th- it. I think you explained it pretty well and I think you got your point across um even one thing I found funny you had your Instagram story when uh weed became legal here in Canada what was it like October 16th or whatever it was Uh, it was edge day yeah (laughs) and you you said something's like hey don't smoke weed the government's just trying to keep you uh or whatever (laughs) rebel against the government or something like that yeah yeah. I found it the funniest thing it was my favorite (laughs) thing to read because everyone's like yeah weed you're like nah man be sober so you can 
rebel against the government or something so like that. So you could revolt, it my, yeah. Yeah, it was my favorite thing, and I think that really does sum up Straight Edge, in which I totally do agree with. There's a, there's a band from, I think they're from Europe somewhere, they're called Clear Cut, and they're a Straight Edge band that I really like. They only have, like, one EP out that, I think, but uh, they have the song where they say um, something, it's like, they say, like, uh, Straight Edge Restitution... Uh, sober living for the revolution and then they like flip the lyric later and they say sober living is a revolution and I, I love that lyric where, where they say sober living for the revolution because it's it's like there's this idea that like um like like eventually eventually like there is going to be this revolution and I, I don't mean to sound like a Marxist but like like eventually the world is going to change and we want to be sober minded we want to be clear headed for it we want to be prepared when it comes right Absolutely. Of course, that sounds super Marxist, and I'm not predicting any sort of violent revolution anytime soon. Yeah, no, I think um, it's, you're right, because even there are changes coming within our society. And this is part of the podcast where we transition from metal into our political, philosophical, theological um, topics. Um, But um, yeah, I think you're right, because I think we're at an interesting point in time where we're truly living in history where we're at a point where the climate is changing. I think um, there's more autonomy within automation of different industries where jobs can be done by robots cheaper, more efficiently, 24-7. So even the way that we have to think about the future to what we're doing and how we are going to solve problems, we need that clear head because if we don't solve these problems, we're going to have issues for everyone. And then only the rich will survive. Pulling from architect's lyric, the rich <laughs> get richer and the sick get sicker. Um, so, yeah, no, I think you're totally right. With society is changing, not in a Marxist way because I don't think that's necessarily beneficial, although I have not read enough of Karl Marx or the Communist Manifesto or anything like that. Um, but changes will be occurring, and it'll be interesting interesting to see what those changes are, especially, I think, within our society where um, even though Canada, it's not as dominant in the States, you see a lot of uh, neoconservatism mm-hmm. and just a lot of more racism and xenophobia coming up. And you see that now, because like in Edmonton here, we had, um, there were people protesting, a um, bunch of different stuff. Uh, there were, I think it was like oil and gas um, and then uh, refugees mm-hmm. coming into Canada and yeah. stuff. And it's like, it was one of those things and there was anti-protests and just we're seeing a rise in clashing of ideologies uh, more than anything. And so, I yeah, going back to straight edge thing, kind of just reiterate again, need that clear head to make proper decisions. And I I remembered the profound point that I was going to make, and it goes in perfectly with what you were just saying. Uh, So Friedrich Nietzsche um, supposedly uh, refused to drink alcohol, and he had this... um, I'm not super familiar with Nietzsche, so if I'm wrong, people are welcome to call me out. But I believe his mentality was that uh, if you need alcohol to cope with your life, then basically your life's never going to get any better, right? If 
if you have this crutch that you let you lean on to make your day bearable and to make your life livable, then you're setting yourself up to for complacency, basically, right? And that's what I was yeah. getting at uh, when I put that on my Instagram story that, you know, the government wants to keep you complacent. Of course, I was being a bit ironic with that because I don't actually think Justin Trudeau has any, you know, intention of suppressing a revolution by legalizing marijuana. I mean, maybe he does. I don't know. But no. I, I don't suspect that. But, you know, when you um, when you learn about, like, how alcoholism was uh, used, uh, like, maliciously by, like, Soviet governments, like, uh, during, like, the era of Soviet communism, like, especially under Stalin, like, basically, a lot of times their strategy was like, you know, this village is running out of food and the people are getting angry. So let's ship them, let's ship a bunch of vodka into that village and get the people drunk so that they're just, they don't even care, right? Like, let's, let's keep the people dumbed down. Let's keep them complacent. Um, and yeah, so I think that that's what Nietzsche is getting at. And I think that's what like the whole idea of like the straight edge like sober minded for the revolution where that idea is getting at is like, there are problems in our society. There are problems in our lives, but if we just numb ourselves to it and we just like use a substance as a crutch to get ourselves through it, then things are never going to improve. Right. We're just setting ourselves up for complacency. Totally. And we set ourselves up for failure at that point too, whether for ourselves or for future generations. And that's, that doesn't benefit anyone. Even, uh, there's even a Muse lyric. Um, just so I'm going to quickly Google it to make sure I have it right. Um, but yeah, Muse, like a band that is not associated with like the straight edge hardcore movement at all. Yeah. He says, uh, paranoia is in bloom. The PR transmissions will resume. They'll push drugs to keep us all dumbed down and hope that we will never see the truth around. So there you go. There's a band that's not at all associated with hardcore metalcore or anything, but there's they even have this idea in that lyric of like the government purposely like pushing drugs to suppress the revolution right yeah no totally yeah which i think is cool because you don't hear that in the mainstream stuff and i guess yeah like we're kind of lucky with the music we listen to where a lot of it is there's activism everywhere like you look oh, at architects sure. with like conservation um and everyone's vegan everyone is freaking vegan everyone's vegan which is which is dope i support like be vegan totally be vegan yeah um uh but like everyone is supporting some cause in some form or trying to bring awareness to something like i think um one song that's really been hitting me i've been listening to uh some kublai Khan and listening okay. to true fear and like police brutality and just seeing in the states and then even you hear some stuff in canada every now and then and it's no i i get that and especially like if you aren't the stereotypical white person or if you have tattoos long hair maybe don't speak the best english you're more susceptible to that and it's one of those things and it's it's just it's wild because there are those uh prejudices out there um but yeah no a lot of bands in our scene are into activism which is kind of lucky because then we get to surround ourselves with that and try to shape our worldview to be a little more holistic and not just trying to numb ourselves, which I think a lot of other music does. And I think that goes into the whole outcast mentality, right? Like you're almost, you're almost standing outside of society and outside of the world and you're observing it and you see all of its flaws, right? Whereas if you're in the world participating in it, it's harder to see it's harder to see it for what it really is, right? 
wow, did you just kind of even go into some scripture there to be a part of the world and not in it or be of the world and not in it? Oh, maybe I did. Maybe I accidentally did. Wow. Um, That one in that theology? I I should say for anyone who's listening and is confused, uh, I am a Christian. Um, It's, yeah, it's something that will probably come out in a lot of my views. This isn't meant to be a Christian podcast, but yeah, I am a Christian, so I might reference some scripture once in a while, but I promise not to be too weird or preachy about it. But we are going to be talking theology every now and then, too. So if you don't like theology, I'm sorry. If you don't like theology, you might want to just listen to the the music episodes. Although you might want to listen to them, because I'm not the... I I wouldn't classify myself as Christian, so you might get a a point of view that you may agree with. So we could have some interesting discussions. See, but you actually... Okay, we are... kind of hitting uh, the time limit that we wanted to get at for this episode. So why don't we uh, briefly talk a little bit about our academic interests and then just kind of set up for uh, like future episodes, like kind of stuff that we'll be talking about in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I, I guess I'll start here. Um, So academic interests where for me, I'm in the sciences and I am focused on molecular and cellular biology, specifically genetics. Um, And a lot of my interest is around genetics and even mental illness and how um, there is a genetic and environmental interaction between the two and how that influences um, different characteristics and phenotypes that a person may express. Um, So yeah, I have more of a science background and a a lover of science and all science, whether that's ecology, psychology, biology of all forms, some chemistry, some physics, uh, astrophysics, everything like that. I'll probably end up talking about space, especially like the Devil Wars Prada space EP and how unreal it is. And it's actually scientifically accurate to some degree as well. And it's just well done. So, um, Man, I'm excited to talk about space because I also love space, but my my interests in space are, are a little less scientific. Um, so I uh, I have a degree in history and philosophy, and I am j- currently working on my master's degree in philosophy. So I am very interested in philosophy, uh, theology, history. Um, also have some like pet interests in like psychology and psychoanalysis. Um, I'm very interested in uh, the philosophy of religion. Um, my main area of interest is existentialism. So dealing with, uh, you know, the meaning of life. Is there any meaning in life? How do we give meaning to life? Uh, very interested in Kierkegaard and Nietzsche. Um, also very interested in, and this will probably come out once we start talking about like lyrics and stuff, but I'm very interested in hermeneutics, which is like, um, the philosophy of interpretation, like how do we interpret art? How do we interpret text? How do we interpret the world? Um, that's a really fascinating field. Uh, I'm really interested in, uh, I'm, I love Albert Camus. I love Dostoevsky. Um, who else do I love? I love the psychoan- psychoanalysts. I love Freud and Jung, even though they're a bit crazy and out there sometimes. I think they're very interesting. Um, so yeah, uh, I think... I I, th- I think uh, I think we've set ourselves up pretty well. I think we are gonna have some good discussions. I think we're gonna I think we've shown we're gonna be able to uh, you know talk about some 
uh, intellectual issues and blend it pretty well with our musical interests. Uh, hopefully in future episodes we can get a little more uh, in-depth into like specific albums and specific bands. Uh, like you mentioned, the Devil Wears Prada EP. I just listened to that for the first time the other day and it blew my mind. I loved it. I can't believe it took me this long to listen to it. Uh, Good, I'm so glad yeah, you finally we'll, listened to it. Yeah, oh, we'll, man. <laughs> we'll be talking about that, definitely. Okay, yeah, so so stay tuned for our space episode. No, <laughs> I, no idea when it's coming, but we'll talk about that EP, and then we'll just talk about space, and it'll be sick. I'm sure we'll talk about Interstellar, the movie, which is one of my favorites. Oh, um, man. So, Bretto, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, not really, just... Thank you for listening if you stuck through this long, and we'll see you in the next episode. Yes. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, If you've decided that you hate us and you don't want to listen to it again, we totally understand. We don't blame you. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening. Uh, This is Dryden signing off. You want want to sign off, Bretto, or what? Oh, he's not signing off. He's staying on for life. Okay. (laughs) Love you guys. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.